Hello and welcome to the Pages and Popcorn podcast, the podcast where I, along with a colorful cast of characters, aka co-hosts, aka friends that I roped into doing this, aka fellow book and movie nerds, talk about movies based on books as well as the original source material. A couple of warnings real fast. Yes, there will be some barnyard language. Yes, we will do all the spoiler things. These books and movies have probably been out for a while. Some of them are a little bit new, but still, we want to be able to talk in depth about the endings. So if you haven't watched or listened, proceed with caution. As I said, there will be a rotating cast of characters. However, we do have a few regular co-hosts that will be joining me. But don't worry, I'll tell you who they are at the beginning of every episode. You can listen to all of them and me and all of our past episodes if you go to kmmamedia.com. You can click on the Pages and Popcorn podcast link and see a back catalog of all of our episodes. This podcast used to come out every other week, but that was an unsustainable amount of work for somebody who's losing her vision and that has other things to do with her life. That's me, by the way. So we are now doing one episode a month, pretty much. Occasionally, there might be more than one, but what you can basically expect is one episode in the middle of the month. We're aiming for the 15th. We'll see how it goes. One last thing, if you want to support the show, of course, there's Patreon and buy us a coffee. Or you can do the best thing of all, rate and review us and tell your friends to listen. The more listens we get, the better I feel, the more likely I am to keep making shows. Okay, that about sums up the intro. Thank you once again for joining us on today's episode of Pages and Popcorn Podcast. It's Pages and Popcorn. It's Pages and Popcorn. It's Pages and Popcorn. It's Pages and Popcorn. First we read the book. Yeah, yeah. Then it's movie time. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time to talk. Yeah, yeah. And you know we're feeling fine. Cause it's pages and popcorn. It's pages and popcorn. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to this episode of Pages and Popcorn Podcast. I'm so glad to be here today talking with my wonderful friend, Chris, and we will be discussing My Policeman, which was the 2012 romance novel that became the 2022 American romantic drama film. And we are going to talk about it. We have a lot to say, but real quick before we talk about My Policeman. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hey, Kaylee. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm ready for Christmas. <laughs> All right. Well, I never am, but that's fine. No, I really love Christmas. I just don't do a lot of the shopping stuff, but... Yes. Well, my shopping's been done for a bit, which has been nice. And the wrapping's been done for a bit, which has been nice. I got, I got the blast on that. Yeah. The yep. email blast. Yeah. Now I just get to relax and enjoy. So. All yeah. right. Okay. Well, this is not a Christmas movie or a Christmas <laughs> book. <laughs> there is no Christmas in this, is there? There. Now th- no. There no. isn't in the movie. I can't remember if there is in the book. I don't think so. No, no, there's not. But that's Okay. I don't have a good segue. I'm sorry. I'm trying to come up with like a, 
There's lots of atmosphere in the book. There you go. Lots of atmosphere. Atmosphere. Yes, we need that. Okay, so here, if you do not know about My Policeman, My Policeman is a 2012 romance novel written by Bethan Roberts. It was set in Brighton, East Sussex, England, and the book takes place mostly in the 50s and a little in the 90s. And then they made it in 2022, right around now. It just came out. And it is a romantic drama film. It was directed by Michael Grandage. I think that's how we say his name. And the film stars Harry Styles and Emma Corrin and Gina McKee and Linus Roach and David Dawson and Rupert Everett. So there you go. I am going to give a book recap and then make a few notations about the movie. But they basically have the same plot. So you get one one good recap and then some notations, and then we will start talking about it. Here is the blurb on the back of the book. From the moment Marion first lays eyes on Tom, her best friend's big brother, broad, blonde, blue-eyed, she is smitten. And when he comes home from national service to be a policeman, Marion, a newly qualified teacher, is determined to win him. And able to acknowledge the signs that something might be amiss, She plunges into marriage, sure that her love is enough for both of them. But Tom has another life, another equally overpowering claim on his affections. Patrick, the curator at a Brighton museum, is also beswatted with this policeman, and he opens Tom's eyes to a world previously unknown to him. But in an age where those of minority status were condemned by society and the law, it is safer for this policeman to marry this teacher. The two lovers must share him until one of them breaks and three lives are destroyed. So that was the blurb. And I have to tell you, before I start my recap, my actual recap, that blurb was not the blurb that I was given. Somebody said to me, my policeman's coming out. It's about a gay man in the 50s who has a a lover and a wife. It's like a throuple situation. And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah, they got to keep it on the down low, you know, because it was the 50s. And I was like, I would like to read about this thruple situation. (laughs) And then I read this book. And let me tell you, it is not a thruple situation at all. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) So here's my actual recap. The book is written in parallel structure. It's part Marion's confession in the present day, aka the 90s, as an old woman, and part Patrick's diary and thoughts back in the late 50s. We do not get Tom, the titular policeman's point of view at all. So let's start with Marion. She's our main character. She is a young, unworldly woman of the 50s, a school teacher with the barest bit of personality who's totally head over heels, smitten with her friend's brother, the very blonde, very handsome Tom. He's older and a swimmer, and even though the sister tries to warn Marion away from him, Marion plunges into attempting to court him. She is successful, and they eventually get married. The only cloud on Marion's horizon, well, there's a few, is that Tom is aloof, kind of odd, not overly affectionate, sometimes secretive. That is more than just the one cloud, but she ignores all that. Also, harder to ignore, Tom has a friend an older gentleman who works at the museum named Patrick, who shows the couple all sorts of fine things like wine and music and opera and art. So let's talk about Patrick. Patrick is gay, aka minority status is what they call it in this book. He is of course closeted because this is the 50s in England and being gay is out and out illegal. Patrick woos Tom and Tom is pretty here for it. You know that thing where a flirt can be either really good or really creepy depending on how the target feels? Patrick has to walk a very thin line as he woos Tom, but eventually it is clear that Tom is into this flirting and not overly repulsed by it at all. 
And so they began to have an affair. To save face and take any suspicion away and begin again, because it's in the 50s, Tom goes ahead and marries Marion. Patrick supports this because he is a realist. So let me pause here and add that Patrick loves Tom, but makes very few requests or demands of him. He knows that his life is illegal, and he's not about pushing Tom to, like, come out or do anything risky. Also, Patrick had had a lover named Michael who had died. He does ask Tom to go with him to Italy, and Tom does. More on that in a second, because first there's the wedding, and we have to talk about that. Patrick gets Tom a suit to wear to the wedding, and then the honeymoon where Marion finally loses her virginity to Tom, and it's super unsexy and disappointing, probably for both of them. And then Patrick joins the couple on part of their honeymoon. Not awkward at all. And then Tom and Marion settle into married life, and Patrick has made his peace with sharing Tom, and Tom seems to be fine with the arrangement. But Marion... Marion has a friend at school, another teacher named Julia, who pretty much tells her, you know, Patrick is gay. And when Marion asks Tom about it, he denies that Patrick's gay because all gay men are simpering, jewelry-wearing, lisp weasels, and Patrick isn't like that. How dare you? There is some serious self-hatred happening here, but Marion's not assertive enough to do anything about it. And this is where Patrick takes Tom to Italy, and Marion finally puts it all together that Tom is with, 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 with Patrick in Italy. And then she confides in Julia, and Julia's like, well, okay, but you can't fix him. He can't be fixed, and he's not going to change, and he's not a bad person, and oh yeah, I'm also gay, and Marion is not at all okay with this revelation. So Marion is hurt. She's pissed. So she fucking outs Patrick to his employer, knowing that it will ruin his life, which it does. The man ends up in prison. Tom has to lose his job, and he's also miserable, and Marion does not get the happy ending that she wanted, which is totally fine if you ask me. In the present day, Patrick has had multiple strokes and is dying, and so Marion brings him to their house to be his final caretaker. We have no idea how Patrick feels about this because his diary has stopped and he cannot speak. We know Tom is not a fan of the arrangement, but Marion doesn't give a flying fuck what anyone else wants. She sees herself as the romantic heroine, the martyr, and so she unburdens herself in this confession. She admits that she was the one who ruined everyone's lives, and then she bails to let Tom and Patrick deal with her words and each other. The end. <laughs> heard you say fuck as much in a <laughs> I, I have feelings man okay so uh, okay. the movie is basically the same except the going back and forth with marion in the present and patrick in the past so we have almost 30 minutes of just marion going back and forth in time before we get anything having to do with patrick's side of things and his whole part is a lot shorter we do get a little, more, a little bit more about Tom, although technically nothing from his point of view specifically. There's just two scenes which have him staring off in the distance where he's alone on screen. But that's as much Tom as like point of view as we get. And again, the plot is pretty much exactly the same. There's a few key changes I'm going to list here and then we're going to talk about. So a couple big changes is. They tease that Marion and Patrick might have had feelings for one another, especially early on in the film. Also, she sees the two of them in an embrace on the honeymoon when Patrick has come up to visit. So she knows earlier and kind of unequivocally. Her friend Julia gets a much longer and much better speech calling out uh, Marion's homophobia when that whole uh, confrontation happens. I didn't mention this in my recap, but in the book, there is uh, Tom's sister traps a man into marriage by pretending to be pregnant. They left that out of the movie. Thank goodness. The Venice trip, the Italy trip, it's to Venice and it's longer in the movie. And Tom actually gets paid to go as Patrick's assistant. So there's like this veneer of, you know, legitimacy and it's a much longer trip. 
there's actually, this is a really big change. There's actually a conversation at the end between Tom and Marion when she leaves him and she kind of like explains and apologizes and whatever. And we actually do get to see a little bit of the reconciliation of Tom and Patrick at the end. It's very short, but it's very sweet. And we actually get to see it. Whereas in the book, we totally did not. So there you go. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was just rereading before we started the end of it. And there is reconciliation with Tom and Patrick at the end. The last two pages talks about how Tom is in the room with Patrick. But I agree with you. I, I thought that part was better done in the film but let's backtrack on it we don't want to go to the end right away so i will i will say that the book is incredible i thought you and i are both writers so we know what it takes to write a scene what's most important i think in writing is to to create an atmosphere and i thought she did it so so well there are lots of parts in this book that i will go back and reread just for the atmospheric content of how she created the scenery and and the uh, emotions and the people. I, I just, I would go, even when I was reading it, and I never do this, I would go back and reread some of the pages and paragraphs just because I thought it was so well-written. I haven't read anything else by her. This is the only thing I've read by her. Yes, yeah, no, I agree. She is a very talented writer. The words, the phrasing, the diction, it is beautifully done. It is a beautifully written novel. And I think that they did a really good job in the movie of making the movie beautiful as well. The cinematography of the movie, the the color palette, the set design, it was it was visually very beautiful, and it was it was visually beautiful to read, and it was visually beautiful to watch. Yes, I don't like some of the character choices that were made, and you know, I, you know, kind of in both, I'll say because in both cases, this is. My policeman. Okay. So who's policeman? He's being he's a shared policeman. But it's being touted. It's like it's publicized and and especially with the movie as this gay love story. And it is. There is in in this story, there is a gay love story. But this is all a gay love story through the lens of the straight woman who gets to like dictate the whole thing. She is the main character. And I I, well, first of all, I I find that problematic because I don't think that it's cool to center yourself into something that's not your thing. And I think her story is valid, like her her struggle and her her coming to terms and her dealing with it. Like that's a valid story. But then when we have it given two thirds of the book as her and then we've got a bit of Patrick, but he's not evenly given space here. And then Tom is not here at all. It feels very uneven and it is frustrating to me and I, I I kept thinking I would like this book better if it was just her and like there wasn't moving back and forth you know with Patrick's point of view or if it was just Patrick's book you know also Patrick deserved so much better and the fact that we never got Tom even at the end I kept kind of thinking okay at the very end we might get a little Tom but that was dumb because Tom's not introspective at all that's another thing I don't understand why either of these people liked this man this man was awful I didn't get him yeah Yeah. Tom well I mean I have a slightly different perspective and that's Mm -hmm. because I'm a gay man who grew up close to this time frame I I was born in 61 so I grew up in the 60s this is starts in the 50s but it was basically the same world 
mm-hmm. until like the early 70s when things really started to change. I understand what you're saying about it being from her point of view, but I kind of go against that in a way too, because that's how the world was then. Even though the men were the story in this type of a situation where the two men were in love and they were struggling against prejudice and and the world and the consequences and all that, they weren't allowed to tell their story. The only person that could tell their story was the woman. And I will say that this author really, really, really nails a gay relationship. I don't know how she does it. Um, we, You and I have talked before this about how an author will nail a, situ- uh, a character that is outside of their influence, whether a man writing as a woman or et cetera, et cetera. She nails the gay relationship, the gay fears, the gay phobias, the gay love. I, I totally believed mm-hmm. every moment of it. I agree. I agree. And you're right. And had this book been written, maybe maybe if it had even been written in the 90s, I would have more room for being like, yes, of course, like they weren't able to tell their story. So somebody else had to come in and tell it. And I, I would never I never like it when somebody else gets to tell your story. Like, I think we all should ideally get to tell ours. But this book was published in 2012 and set in the 90s. And there were like decades between like we don't get anything what happened between the late 50s and the late 90s. Here. There's, it was kind I mean, of set in the 90s, but the main story was set in the 50s and 60s. Right. Exactly. With, there's no way. I, I, and I understand what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. But you have to understand also that since gay men weren't allowed to tell their stories in that time frame, it's kind of genius to have the woman tell the story because that it conveys a sense of restriction on the gay men, which was absolutely 100% the life of gay men in the 50s and 60s. They were not allowed to open their mouths. They were allowed to talk to each other, but they had to even be careful with that, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I understand. I just, I found Patrick's diaries entries so moving that I, you know, and because we did get his voice at least right, right. back then. And it was beautiful and what I he wrote. More Tom's voice in the book. Now, granted, that was coming from not him, from her as a character. But uh, the one thing I, I didn't like about the movie, and I, I liked the movie. I thought it was fine. I think the book is far superior to the movie. But the one thing I didn't like was that we missed that whole beginning of the book where we go over Marion and Tom's interactions as very young people, as teenagers, how she falls in love with them because she's her girlfriend's brother early in the story and he totally ignores her and blah, blah, blah. That whole development of that relationship and about how he taught her to swim, that was really, they really dived into that in the book. In the, Mm -hmm. in the movie, it was, you know, it was a, it was an instant. Also in the movie, he was a much more interested in her from the get go. It seemed like, you know, you, you, you watched it and you're like, okay, like he, he seems now, see, more here that, for I, it. I the opposite way. I thought in the book he was like, uh, you know, I I I like that you like me, and I will say this: this is this is the the the, the big struggle in this book, and the big attraction for me, and the thing I like is that the relationship between Marion and the two gay men. Tom is like he kind of likes that she's attracted to him, but he also knows this is never going to go anywhere. But he encourages it because at that time in our history, 
he was kind of forced to encourage it. So he does that and it makes him comfortable to encourage it because that's acceptable. I think the dynamic between, and I, I, I don't like to use this term anymore, but it's totally relevant to, to that time period is fag hag. Uh-huh. It's women who latched onto gay men. And I've had plenty of these women in my life. I've had women that would have married me literally, even when they knew I was gay because for whatever reason to them, and it has, it was, they were attracted to me because of my personality traits, not because of whether I was gay or straight, but to me, I was like, this is never, and I almost married a woman once. This is never going to work because, yeah, I know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> my mouth just like fell open over here. <laughs> uh, I, was, I went to propose to her and it was a Christian thing too, which is going to be even blow oh your mind God. even further. But you want so much as a gay man mm-hmm. that in a society that doesn't accept you to have a woman at your side so that exactly what happened in this book and this movie you can kind of fuck around on the side, but you can have a presentable social mm-hmm. presence, which is I'm married to her. We may not have sex, which, you know, the sex in this movie between Tom and Marion is painful to watch. It's so Agreed. I mean, she is so deprived, but she puts herself in that situation. The difference in this in this thing is not, you know, you want to always think that gay men are taking advantage of these women. And in a way they are. But the women step up to the plate and say, please take advantage of me. And then they're disappointed because the gay man doesn't put out, so to speak, in the sexual arena, which he can't. Right. Well, okay. So I have two thoughts on that. One, yes, a thousand times. And I and I do think that it is it is really frustrating when when women do that, right? You know, they okay. The second thing I was gonna say is Tom came real fast in the movie with Marion. Like he had to psych himself up, obviously, and like get there, but he did. And you're right, those sex scenes. I think he faked it. Oh, you think he faked it? You don't think think he acted? Well, I think that's possible. I think any game, first of all, a penis rubbing against anything will finish. I mean, it doesn't really, if you imagine enough in your mind, it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man. So, but I think when I was watching that scene, I'm like, oh, he just faked it. That makes way more sense. Because I was like, did he just come so fast? Like, how in the world did he get there that fast with this, you know, unfun situation that is happening? So, yeah. Okay. Well, which would also explain why like they never had kids, but, but yes, the, the women who put themselves in that, in that situation. And I feel like there's a certain amount of knowing or not knowing. And in the book, she was oblivious a lot longer than in the movie in the movie yeah. yeah you know she she knew and yes that was there's an argument that she, and I, this is again from my own personal experience in life they usually know right away i mean the women that go after gay men usually know on day one and it may and it's the, it's kind of the same situation as a gay person thinking their family doesn't know I mean, I didn't come out until I was 20 years old. And when I did, every every single member of my family said, oh, yeah, we knew. I was under the impression for years that nobody knew anything about my sexuality, but they all knew. They just never talked about it. And women who attach themselves to gay men and fall in love with gay men, it works kind of the same way. Well, and his sister knew, you know, Tom's family knew. Right. His sister tried to warn her away and she was not not having, you know, any of it, which was frustrating. It was I found Marion very frustrating. And I think that 
it's it's more than just you know like okay i i could fix him or i could do this or whatever what her her flawed thinking but then she kind of has like this this freaking martyr complex and and i just i found her so imp- I think, unsympathetic I think you have a different generation i think because i completely understood everything about this relationship every little tiny aspect of this relationship i understood marion and tom I understood Marion's reaction to Patrick. I understood Tom's reaction. I understood all parts of it because I've lived it. I think that you're a little younger, just a little bit. We won't talk about how much, but you're younger. <laughs> and you are. You came up in a, in a world that didn't accept the kind of stuff that we automatically accepted in those days, which was mm-hmm. let the women fall in love with you and, and pretend to fall in love with them. And that's the way life works. So I totally believed it. Yeah, no, believing wasn't my problem. It was uh, feeling anger. sympathy or, yeah. I mean, I did not feel sympathy for her. I felt most more anger. I got a lot of that in the movie. In the book, I was more sympathetic to her. And maybe that's because the structure of a book reads goes slower than a movie. But in the movie, I was like, you bitch. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. The only The only part of the movie that, was better for her i think was that she actually had a conversation with tom at the very end where she said it out loud that she was the one who ruined their life and she you know told him like look i can't do this anymore and i'm unhappy and you're unhappy blah 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 blah. and he was like whatever he tried to like you know talk over her like he always did and this was the one time where she was like no i'm gonna say my piece and then i'm gonna leave which was good in the book, she just literally leaves pages there for them to read and just is like nopes out. And I yeah. in the in the movie, I felt like we saw her making the decision and like thinking about it. Like it made more yeah. sense to me that yeah, she was she going to strong in that moment and he became weak because she had the balls in the movie. This is the one thing I respected. She had the balls to stand up and say, Look, I'm gonna tell you exactly what I did. And I'm going to tell you how this is going to play forward. You're not going to change my mind. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. And I hope that you, Tom, will open up to your feelings, which he did in the movie at the very end. Mm -hmm. Um, She really became the hero. Well, I don't want to call her a hero because of what she did. But she became, she, she gained the upper hand in the end. She said, I have fucked this all up, but I'm going to step away now take my responsibility and let you guys be together. And that was moving. And you're right. In the book, it was like over like that. There was no real, yeah, no real climax. Well, and the other thing is like, because they had that conversation, he's like, I can't live alone. And she was like, you're going to have to figure it out. And I was just like, right. Because she has been coddling this man and taking oh, care yeah. of him. And now she's done with it. And I'm sorry. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's going to be a, a trope that I'm always going to get behind is a woman saying, I'm not doing your laundry anymore <laughs> and noping uh, out. Right. So that's part of the whole woman falling in love with the gay man. They coddle them. That's part of the attraction to the gay man is I don't want to say it's a mother complex, but it's basically a woman saying, I don't care how you treat me. I don't care if you don't love me. I don't care if you don't fuck me. I don't care anything. I want to be with you and support you and do your laundry and cook your meals and blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm telling you, I've had women in my life that knew I was gay that would have married me if I had said, OK, I've had women in my life who knew my partner and still would have taken me and had their own husband and still would have taken me away to have a relationship. And it's crazy to me mm-hmm. to think of that now. But that's how the world was. Yeah, you're right. I am younger than you by so many years. <laughs> but I did grow up in a different time. And I feel like 
What year books, were you born? No. Books like this make me feel so happy <laughs> that I was born in the year that I was born. Do you know what I mean? And that my daughter. What year were you born in? So I can have some reference here. 1980. You're lying. Let me add it up. 80. Okay. She's right. Okay. 1980. That's the year I graduated high school. I know you're the same age as my mom. Okay. Now you did that part. We need to cut out. <laughs> But I'm really glad that my daughter is going to grow up in a different generation, you know, where it's not, it's, it's, you know, better. Like I was reading some of the Goodreads things, you know, uh, the reviews and stuff. And people were like, oh my God, it was illegal to be gay. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So this, it's important. It's important to have books like this that tell a sympathetic story so that people understand that well, we're not that good. far away from We're that not. happening, you know, from when because you we you're right. A lot of people don't they look at these kinds of things and they go, What do you mean it was illegal to be gay? Because I have this conversation with people all the time. As you know, I talk, do lots of talks and things. Do you think it's possible for people of your generation or younger to understand what it's like to have to live in a society where if there's a scene in this movie where Patrick is, he goes to a bar and you have to be very careful going to a bar and it's usually an underground, you know, a, a place that's in darkness and, and under the streets and he goes to this bar and he meets this guy and he goes out on the street with this guy and he starts to kiss him and play with him and the cops find him and, and run over and they arrest the guy he's with and later that has to do with the plot of why he's uh, put in jail. But that was an absolute reality. Do you think that younger people look at this as like oh this is a whole other universe or do they do you think they have a, a way to understand that i think that people can intellectually understand that horrors happened in the history of our country and of our world without always understanding the emotional ramifications because when we are taught history we're given a litany of facts, you know, and then the seven years war happened and in the revolutionary war, this happened. And then, then there was slavery and there was, and unless it touches you or unless you watch things or read things that are emotionally resonant, I think it's very easy to just be like, yeah, that's that. And that was in the past. And I don't have to think about it. And right. because it's not personal or emotionally resonant, it's really hard to realize the, the how important and how how legit it was you know what I mean so yeah. yeah I think that people like my daughter knows like on an intellectual level that you know it, it used to be illegal to be gay and that you know uh black and white people weren't allowed to get married to one another and that people own slaves but does she actually understand like no because she can't because to her that's just ludicrous all of those things you know it's it's ludicrous that people would act like that and do those things. Yeah, and I think that plays into the politics of where we're at right now in this country because so much that is happening right now in this country is kind of mirroring where we were in the 60s with the racism and the restriction of civil rights on LGBTQ people, et cetera. And I think that if you don't understand, and I'm not, I'm not, challenging people who were younger that didn't live in that era. I get it. If you didn't live through it, it's tough. But I was in, a, in an era where I didn't understand. I, I never lived through slavery, but I lived through the 60s and the 70s where Black people were treated like shit. 
And mm -hmm. so, and the N word was hurled around right and left. And I even said it when I was a kid, cause it was acceptable to say it. I lived in that era. So I kind of could have a feeling for what black people might have felt. I'm nothing close to what they truly felt, but something to the effect mm -hmm. that they felt. I think that has to do, that colors the politicization, say, say that word for me. Politicalization. That's the one, you know, that's happening right now where those of us who are a little older go, what the fuck are you doing voting for these people when they are leading us into this world that we used to live in where people, you know, had to hide in corners and be put in prison. And I don't know if you can understand that if you don't connect with the people in your life that lived in that era or talk to or do enough reading where you kind of understand it. Yeah, for sure. And and so I again, I think that books and movies like this are important definitely right i just wish that you know it wasn't the lens it wasn't this straight lady's interpretation because okay and again in the book we had patrick's diaries and they were they was like we'd have a chapter where it was marion you know talking about you know the courtship and the life and then we'd have patrick's diary and we went back and forth and we got both of their points of view but they were still kept separate in the movie we experienced patrick's diary when Marion is reading his diary and it just, to me, I was like, Oh my God. Like we couldn't even have it be actually just his. It all still has to be filtered through her lens. Don't you think the author chose for whatever reason she chose? And I haven't looked into it, why she did, why she chose to filter it through Marion's eyes. Well, I think part of it is because she is a straight woman. You mean the author is a straight yeah, woman? I think so. I think she is a straight uh, woman because this book was inspired by E.M. Forster's secret, not so secret, actual love affair with a policeman and the wife of that policeman. You know what I mean? So it's based on this book was inspired by true events. So I don't think that she is a queer person. I think in in the in the realm of staying in one's lane, so to speak, she wrote it from a, you know, a straight woman's point of view, but wanted to tell this story. And because it's based on a true occurrence and the wife in that true occurrence, I think a lot of times gets short shifted because we're much more interested in, you know, the men's story. Maybe she was like, I'm going to take this historical thing and I'm going to, you know, tell it, you know, reimagine it and then put it through the point of view of like this side character, which I'm all for, right? Like those, those things are cool. I just read the Chosen and the Beautiful, which is a retelling of The Great Gatsby from the point of view of Jordan Baker not that long ago. And Jordan Baker was a side character, but like in this book, she's the main character. So I totally understand the impulse to do that. I agree with you. I did think as I was reading this book, wouldn't this, wouldn't there be two more, two interesting other novels based on Tom's view and on Patrick's view? Yeah. But at the same time, again, like I, I appreciate her view only because I know it so well. Right. And, and, and I think her story is valid. Again, I, I, I don't begrudge the fact that we have Marion telling Marion's story. I think Marion as a person was incredibly flawed and I'm still salty about what she did. But I, I think that her story deserved to be told. Sure. I just think that Patrick's story and Tom's story deserved equal footing. We didn't get any really thing from Tom and Patrick did not feel equal to me. It felt added in. 
personally, especially since we don't get anything from him after prison. Are you telling me this man kept these diaries, didn't destroy them? They were used in his trial. Then he went to prison and then he wrote wrote like, yeah, it's like, what the heck? Right. I just, okay. Story about his his previous lover who was murdered and by through a beating by mm-hmm. a gang by a gang or people on the street. I I forget if it was what the exact circumstance. I it was cops in the movie. He it was cops who killed his oh, his no. lover. Yeah, but he was beaten to death basically, mm-hmm. and that's just touched on in the movie. It just mentions it, which I think is incredibly important that that's part of his history. It makes Patrick much more of a well-rounded character when we get in the book that he had this whole other life, this whole other lover. He he'd had already been in a love triangle of sorts, having to share the person that he loved. So like to him, this was as good as he could possibly hope for it to be. And right. he, you know, that's what it was. It, which makes it so much more tragic that then like that little tiny bit, those occasional nights were taken away from him. And we, I don't think we really got his pathos as much in the movie although i will say that is it david dawson who is the actor who played patrick in the movie did an amazing job amazing amazing i thought they were all good i mean i mean i don't think rupert everett had that much to do obviously in the movie because he was he had a stroke and he wasn't doing much i thought Her- the one character that disappointed me in the movie was harris harry styles character which is the younger tom preach 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 oh my god okay first of all before we talk about harry Styles, i gotta tell you Okay, I'm reading this book. I know they made it into a movie. And somebody was like, yes, Harry Styles is in that movie. And I was like, as who? Because this whole book is like, Tom is so blonde. Tom with his blue eyes. Tom with his swimmer's body. And then Patrick is older. And I was like, who the fuck is Harry Styles supposed to be in this? And then I watched it and I was like, well, this was just miscast. was miscast but clearly it was cast because he has a name and he has a face and all that stuff so which is important to a movie i won't begrudge them that that's important to a movie but given the performances of marion who i thought was really good gina mckee and patrick rupert everett they should have done something else with harry styles because i like the older tom linus roche i thought he was really good and i like david dawson the younger patrick i just thought harry styles was i mean a total miss not just because you can see it's harry styles but because his tone and demeanor mm-hmm. and manner and everything did not play to the character that he was. Yeah. 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 It was incredibly miscast. And I think it, it's a, it's a disappointment. You're right. The name is going to sell the tickets and people are going to watch it because of the name. And that's great. And you and I have talked before. I don't think that gay roles should only go to gay actors and straight roles should only go to straight actors. No, like I don't. I don't believe that you don't believe that. But I do find it interesting (laughs) that David Dawson is gay, Rupert Everett is gay, and Linus, I can't remember his last name, the older Tom is straight, and Harry Styles is a little queer baby. (laughs) He's... doesn't want to talk about it, has actively said no. Does he actually not define his sexuality? He refuses to define his sexuality. He likes to play with gender roles in terms of clothing, but he is very cagey about how he answers. And when somebody asked him straight up, are you bisexual? He said, no, 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 no. Like he- Oh, I did read that. You're right. He's He's been very coy about it. And I'm not here to say that you have to come out. Like, I, you know, that's your journey- as long as you're not actively hurting LGBT people and like closeted for that cough, cough, we know who, but, but at the same time, it feels like he's dabbling and 
because there is like this these internet fans who like want him to be queer so bad and he won't really be queer but he won't really not be queer and like blah 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 it, it just it was an interesting choice for him to make this his second like his third movie he was in dunkirk and he was in don't worry darling i think he did fine and don't worry darling by the way he didn't have much to do I really love that movie. We need to talk about that at some point. Yes, I enjoyed that movie too. And he didn't have a ton to do, but he what he did, he did fine. In that movie, he was perfectly fine cast. This movie was not his movie. And it that was disappointing. Yeah, he takes you out of every moment in the movie. I will say that. Every single moment he's in the movie, he takes you out of the out of the drama and the scene at some point. I want to ask you a question. What did you feel about Marion's character in the book? and the movie, but mostly the book, when she decided to turn Patrick in. Well, I was pissed, obviously. But what kind of, I, well, obviously we're all pissed, but did you, and this is probably the wrong question for you, but this goes back <laughs> to me living in that era. I had this happen with, I had this happen with girls in elementary school who were my friends. Now, I wasn't even out in elementary school, but they were, you know, I had tons of girl friends, so to speak, in elementary school, I was surrounded by girls all the time. But if I crossed one of those girls at any point or in any way that they thought I crossed them, they would immediately spread a rumor about me about me being gay. That was so common. So when that now this is a, a dramatic extreme in the movie because she gets him sent to prison, even though I don't know if in the book or the movie she understood that's what could have happened. I that never made that clear. That's plausible deniability is what I will tell you. That's plausible. Yeah, because I think I think part of her knew and part of her didn't care. And I think she thought it would just fix Tom. And she didn't really. It, she was. The other thing is that she was very young and they went out of their way in the book way more than the movie to tell us how unworldly she was she was so sheltered she was so uh, oblivious so she did not think her actions through at all like she just reacted and the disappointing thing is that she didn't do much until then and then this is like her big for like her first moment now in the book there's this other little part where she's lonely and sad and so she makes her friends with julia who's this progressive other teacher who's like very flamboyant, very splash colors. They really toned her down in the movie a lot. And Julia gets her involved with some political stuff. And she starts to like, be like, Hey, I can do politics. I can have like a thing that I'm, you know, involved in and stuff. She doesn't quite realize all all the progressive political people she's hanging out with are like, actual progressives she's she's not really liberal or progressive she's just bored she's a fucking tourist right and because then once that relationship goes kaput she's not invested anymore she's not still going to things with the leaflets or whatever it was just a social thing for her which and we we both know those types of tourist activists as well Right, right so okay so she just doesn't even know she just doesn't think she just kind of acts as and so on the one hand, you're like, it's really sad that her this this action she took had such huge negative consequences. It's not an excuse. It, it, we can understand the reason, but we don't have to excuse the behavior. But speaking of Julia, who is a great character, I like that in the movie she got way more to say about the whole situation. It was Absolutely. a really good speech. And I like the fact they took out this part in the in the movie. They took it out that it was in the book. In the book, she said, she'd have this fight with julia because she was all homophobic and stupid and then she was like 
I keep writing her letters and she barely responds to me. And I keep writing and I'm like, leave this woman alone. And then at the very end, she's like, I'm going to go see Julia. And I'm like, bitch, sit down. Stop ruining people's lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I, 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 I totally agree. I loved her in the movie because she got more to say and you got to see her say it. So for those who don't know, can we say that Julia in the book is a, as a fellow school teacher and and listens to Marion's bullshit for a long time and just kind of placates her until she finally until Marion finally says I think you know Patrick is gay and 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 nothing about Tom and the school teacher Julia says you know um, what about Tom and eventually in that same speech doesn't come out to her by saying I'm a lesbian but says I'm the same which is telling her that I'm the same person. And, you know, then she walks away. This is, this is a hugely brave character in the ninth, the late 1950s. Mm -hmm. um, I love that character to death. Yeah. Yeah. She's that definitely tragic too, because I mean, her life wasn't real. She like went on to a different school and whatever. And you would think this woman's probably like, you know what? I don't need to have letters from this bigot that I knew 30 years ago. Like, can you imagine? When she finally said this is who I am. She then walked away. She didn't come back and say, okay, are you still friends with me? Do you still yeah. like me? She said, she didn't, well, she didn't say I'm a lesbian. She pretty much said that. And then she walked away from this woman and left the school and went somewhere else. Yeah. Another character who would have made a very interesting book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. More Julia. Yeah, for sure. I just, again, the, the entitlement of this woman. <laughs> fucks people's lives and then she's like i'm gonna go see julia because she's not responding to me in the way that i want her to respond and i i just uh, uh. you're absolutely right but you know what's interesting about the entitlement of this woman is that she comes from nowhere she doesn't come from a place of entitlement she in fact through her whole teenage years at least in the book they don't talk about much this much in the movie but her whole teenage years she's you know, just wanting after Tom and wanting after this and wanting after that. She doesn't know how to swim and she wants to be a better person. And then she decides she wants to become a teacher, but she doesn't know if she can become a teacher. She's just insecure through the whole book when she's a young person. And she still becomes this person who thrusts her opinions on other people, her ideas on other people and her entitlements on other people. That's fascinating. And I mean, not to make everything racial, but it is very quintessential upper middle class white lady privilege yes. that is no, happening yeah, here. Absolutely. Bring that bring that into it because she the, the privilege that comes from middle class at that time and upper class white people that don't understand that what they do affects other people. All they're concerned about in a, in a, a large number of ways is how they feel about something. Mm -hmm. uh, that was really well written, I thought, because those people are, we know, absolutely out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ah, and also, why the heck did they not get divorced? I mean, at the, at the, where the book starts, we're in the late 90s, okay? Homosexuality is not illegal anymore in britain in the 90s and it, it's not where it is today by any means but it is a lot more acceptable you know and they're old like their parents are dead like who, you know what i mean i just they're old their parents are dead i love it i'm just saying and even if it didn't have to like that he didn't have to you know come out and like join the pride parade or whatever but there was i 
it frustrates me when people my age i'm i'll be 61 this month i know people my age in this year 2022 that are only out to a couple of people but not out to their families not out to their work they don't have a a a partner or husband or whatever you want to call it they don't do it and the, the biggest reason for that is because to live in that world and this is very evident in the book and the movie for a, for a gay man or anybody LGBTQ to live in the actual LGBTQ world is a huge step. It's easier for people to live where it's safe and they can play around in that world. I understand. That is fine. Tom not coming out later in life is fine. Again, he's not in a position of power. He's not, you know, making laws that fuck people over. So him not coming out does not bother me nearly as much as the fact that she bitches and moans about her loveless, empty marriage and what a shitty husband he is, but doesn't do anything about it until way, way, way so long. Like, it's like, okay, lady, if you're this unhappy, do something. You have plenty of time to go off and find your actual love and like do something with your life, except you didn't until it was almost too late. That that is very frustrating to me. So let's talk about that. You from a from a woman's point of view, you have to have known women who were set, always attracted to gay men, like to go to gay bars because it wasn't a threatening environment and they could be around men and have that. All yeah. the gay boys like to play with the, <laughs> the with the girl boobs. I I can't even tell you how many gay men have wanted to That's feel true. me up. It's it's That's a true. weird thing. But you know what? There's a lot of gay men who are super obsessed with straight men too. Right. I think that there is an element of wanting what you can't really have so that you can't really want it. It's like this kind of safe play acting performative thing that people do. So but I think it it works the same way as gay for gay men that are attracted to straight men as it does for women, heterosexual women who are attracted to gay men. There's a safety there. So they are attracted to all the things. Whereas if if you were let's say you're attracted to a gay man and a straight man. Straight man comes with sexuality and comes with probably um, aggression and arguments and this where a gay man is, you know, fun and humor and no sex, no threat, no, no worry about physical interaction. Why do you think that is? I think that because of because toxic masculinity tends to be much more in the straight man world and women are consciously or subconsciously afraid of that and don't like it. And so, but we know like every, every man is Schrodinger's rapist, right? When I'm walking down the street. And so, but like, there's like this, this neutered aspect of the gay population, because they are not going to want me for that, blah, 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 blah. And also they're like in their own, I don't need to be here. They're having their own thing. And if they choose to let me be part of their special little world, then I'm special too. So I, I definitely get that and see it. But I think that that's basically what it is. It's like a safety thing. And I think that one of the things that attracts the fag hags is that the straight, most gay men are not as imbued with that toxic masculinity because our society says to be a real man, you got to do X, Y, and Z things. And you've got gay men who are already like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not doing any of those things. And I'm still a man, you know? But I mean, that, it, it, and that, that's changing self-destructiveness of women who continue to go into that world of gay men to know, you know, I'm attracted to the the aspects of gay men that are that are absent from straight men, but ignoring the fact of gay men that are absent from straight men, which is 
He's going to make love to me. He's going to give me children. He's going to create a home with me. He's going to do all these. So it's a very self-destructive environment. Right. And I think that, I think it's changing. I think as, do you remember, do you remember, I haven't heard this in a little while, but for a little while in the nineties, there was this concept of the metrosexual. It was like a straight man who looked gay. And I think that that is like happening. There is more and more, especially in generation Z and generation alpha with people men specifically fighting against those toxic toxic masculinity traits and having human decent human traits and it's not contingent on their sexuality there's just people who are better people now and so i you know that's that's my optimistic hope here is that you know that these men that are growing up the boys that are going to be the men of tomorrow and whatever are they're not going to have to be gay in order to not be jerks do you know what i mean I think that's very optimistic. I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm more pessimistic than that because I believe that stuff is more trendy. And I think the base core of men is one or the other. Or I mean, of course, there are all kinds of variations, but I don't think that goes away because you're trimming your pubic hair or your facial hair. No, no, no. I don't think it's... That's it's what the, a metrosexual is. They that, look gay and they right. take care of And that was a trend. But what I'm saying is I think it has evolved into something better because right now what I'm seeing the the men who are my age, the the teenage boys that are I have in my life and the younger boys too, and again, self-selecting group seem to be more open to their emotions, seem to be open to being actual parents and not they don't consider it babysitting when they take care of their children, you know, like my generation of fathers are okay with changing diapers and spending time with their kids where you go back, you go up a little bit and no, and you go down a little bit and it's even more so. So like, those are the changes that I'm thinking. Not that metrosexual is still a thing. That was definitely a fad, but I definitely think that, that the concept of what makes a good man and a, and a good, you know, a man, man is, is becoming larger and able to encompass aspects that for a long time were not seen as typical men aspects they were but they were in the gay community does that make sense i think i think that's true uh, but i again look at it from the dinosaur point of view where it's so much more incremental than you make it out to be for instance look at this latest political election i mean yes the democrats came out hugely in the win for the most part but we're still a country even yesterday's georgia election pretty much 50 50. Mm -hmm. so you know so many people have told me over the years oh the younger people are going to save the world i'm like no they're not going to fucking save the world not for another three or four or five hundred years because they have been telling me that since 1970 that was 50 years ago and the young people are not saving the world so this is a concept that people have that this kind of change happens like bam, bam, bam. And it doesn't. It happens over decades, over centuries. And it's going to take a long time. I agree with you that things are changing, but I'm much more pessimistic about it. I think they're changing a lot slower than people think they're changing. And it is incremental and it is definitely uh, locationally based because I think that there are are bigger changes in parts of California than parts of Georgia for for sure. But remember, we just talked about this on our radio show about the percentage of younger voters who voted in the midterms was was really big. Yeah. So, okay. So I read this interesting, speaking more about Marion, of course, I read this interesting take 
And I'm just going to read what I wrote and it'll be in the, in the blog post, all the links and stuff. But what it said is the novel's real achievement lies in how Roberts recodes the stereotypical desires of a straight provincial woman and a fey posh gay man. It is Marion who is cast as the outsider. She's the interloper. Her cravings for Tom are rendered in a manner that has traditionally been reserved for unrequited homosexual yearnings. She describes her infatuation with Tom as unnatural and during their troubled courtship admits to feeling intense and secret things. Meanwhile, Patrick, who who does actually get fulfilling sex with Tom, harbors a more conventional fantasy. He wants to, you know, his thing was as though we were married like that's patrick so it was an interesting juxtaposition you know of of the two of them and i thought that was well done again the writing in this book was 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 very well done i just was real bitter yeah about. I, I love the book love the book okay okay here's a line that happened in the movie that wasn't in the book and i wonder if you picked up on it so at one point when marion is talking to 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 tom and because he's like tom's like he wants to go off to italy and she's like i i you know shouldn't you take me or i you know, she's like all upset and he's like what can't a man go fishing with his friend and i, <laughs> and I was like oh my god it's broke back policeman <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. true true <laughs> but i mean again i'll say that that's how men if you look at Brokeback Mountain, they went fishing, and that's what men did in those days to kind of get away and play around with each other. They did a masculine thing, so it made sense to me. It was yeah. stupid, I thought, but it made sense to me. It was funny. I thought it was funny. I was like, okay. And it just, it really did make me remember the sex scenes in Brokeback Mountain very different the the gay sex scenes and the husband wife sex scenes first and, and the same thing was here in this movie where the the husband wife sex scenes were awful painful to watch and there was i will tell you i was impressed and like mild happily surprised with the amount of gay sex we actually got to see in this movie of course it wasn't overly graphic but there was a lot of nudity you know there were multiple butt shots and we saw them in multiple butt shots yay we saw them in man-on-man sexual positions we don't typically see in very good good observations and i i was here for it i thought that was it was very well done i don't you know i don't really love sex scenes in movies because they're usually done poorly um i thought these were done really really well it felt like there was a camera in the room of two people having sex not that there was a camera filming two people having sex I thought it was it was very very well done. And in Brokeback Mountain, if you remember, um, who's the wife in Brokeback Mountain? What's her name? What's the Alma? actress's name? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, whatever. She it's the same situation. She knows that he's gay for a long time before she decides to pull the plug. So this is a very common occurrence. Yeah, that was very interesting. But yeah, would have been better sex scenes, I think, if it hadn't been Harry Styles. But that's just me. Yeah. I want to ask you about the um, girl, the sister character, which was much more drawn out in the book than in the movie. Yeah, trapping the man. <laughs> yeah, it was. She was trapping the man by being pregnant. It was another version of what Marion was doing, just on a straight level. So I thought it was a, a nice mirror of okay, this is what the woman who likes the gay man's going to do, and this is what the woman who likes the straight man's going to do. But they're both trapping their men mm-hmm, mm-hmm. manipulating and right. yeah yeah for sure i mean i don't really have too much more to say about that but she she definitely had a bigger part in the book and she was unhappy 
it, it didn't seem like it really worked out all that well for her either, the the right. sister. No, and I think that there's like a lesson there, you know, about the one woman it probably worked out for best in the in the movie in the book was the other school teacher, Julia. Mm -hmm. I mean, it worked out for her. She spoke her mind. She walked away. She made her own life. And the other two women, you know, ended up crashing and burning. Yeah. For sure. Okay. I had two I had two other things I wanted to say, and then I'll do my trivia. The first thing is that I, I mentioned before that cow, it bothered me that we were seeing Patrick's diary through Marion reading his diary, which I just felt was an invasion of privacy. And also it bugged me because, it, okay, this is why it bothered me. In the book, we don't really know why Marion suddenly decides to get Patrick and bring him. She, we know she does. We, like she figured out that something had happened to him and she brings him, but she is not aware of Patrick's diary. There's no Patrick's diary for her in her hands in the book. All of our story about Patrick, we get, but Marion doesn't get. And so she's kind of missing that piece, but it feels like she's responding to it. Like she, you know what she's I mean? Her own diary in the book. Yeah, so it's 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 weird to me that okay, and then in the movie she's reading his diary, and that seems to be like the catalyst. She's like, oh, they were actually in love. It wasn't just a a thing, you know, and it wasn't just me feeling guilty. Okay, but if you didn't think that they were actually in love, if it, it was just her guilt brought him to this house, and that even that seems like uncomfortable for everybody again she's centering herself and it's all about what she wants she wants to feel better about things so she's gonna like make patrick be here and she had to bathe him like that is so intimate and so can you and he can't do anything i i just feel like the power dynamics are so uncomfortable i i that couldn't you're right the power dynamic of somebody doing that bathing somebody else who has basically no motor controls and no no uh, ability to counteract the, the the circumstance that plays into the fact that even though she's helping him, she's also still manipulating him in a way. Yeah. Even though she okay. Specifically in the movie, she's he's like he wants a cigarette. She's like you can't have a cigarette, and then she fucking walks into the next room of this very small house and lights a cigarette. And a I was like, yeah. you are torturing this man. Yeah. Like yeah. it's. It's fucked up. Like there's a there's another version of her taking care of Patrick that is a horror movie. I swear to God, because like it is very close to being real bad, and it you know doesn't. What? That plays into what we were talking about earlier. The privileged version. She says he can't have a cigarette because, of course, he might have another stroke and it's not good for his health. But she doesn't even imagine that having a cigarette is bad for her health or that it's dangerous to her, or that that would have an effect on Patrick in the other room because privilege lifts you out of that responsibility of anything you do. It just kind of inflicts guilt on the people around you. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, it was a really good choice of the director to have her do that because it, it just, it showed us so many things. And then again, with it being all about Marianne, which blah, in the moment of crisis, when Tom has like seen Patrick, who's been arrested at the at the you know police station, he runs home and he's like, "Oh my God, Marion, this happened." The camera stays on her. Tom's moment of crisis. The man that I love has been arrested. Is this going to affect me? Am I going to lose my job? Tom wanted to be a police officer because he wanted to help people. Like that was his, you know, that was one of the few personality things we know about Tom is that he wants to help people. This is all going away. Like what happened? He's afraid. 
do we see that? Nope. We're looking at her. We're looking at her and she's not even realizing, oh, I might have fucked up Tom's life too. We're looking at her and she's like, oh, I wonder what happened. You know, like she's just covering her own ass. And it was interesting is the book is called My Policeman, but it's all from her point of view. And she never used that phrase. It wasn't her phrase. It was Patrick's phrase for Tom. And he wasn't hers. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Should have been called not my policeman. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. Well, and then even at the very or something like that, I mean, it should have been called if the book's going to be from her point of view, which the book and the movie were kind of from her point of view, it should have been my swim coach or whatever. My Tom, it could have been my Tom, you know, whatever. And then like, yeah, Um, at the very end, when she's having this whole conversation with with, you know, Tom and in the movie, which we get, thankfully, this like cathartic conversation they finally have and she tells him and then tom says you destroyed him and she says we destroyed each other and i said fuck that's wrong no you didn't destroy each other patrick never destroyed you you know what i mean i oh this woman that's the the privilege point of view thinking i didn't do this on my own you made me do it even though that's not true she could have walked away at any point gone and found a nice heterosexual man and had a nice family and children and lived her life but she chose this is the big thing about this book and about these relationships she chooses to stay in this this, the relationship that she knows from the beginning is destructive and is going to continue to be destructive and she knows will never be resolved she knows that in her heart of hearts all these women who do this they know it it will never be resolved so they are walking away from a life where you know, it may not be the greatest man that they want to be around. He may not have the greatest personality. He may not be artistic. He may not be this, but he will give me the things I need. She chooses not to do that and stay with a man that she knows will end in, end, end in destruction. So, yeah, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Here are my little trivia notes. For 40 years, E.M. Forster and the policeman Bob Buckingham were in a loving relationship. Buckingham was 28. Forster was 51 when they met. They shared holidays, friends, interests, and on many weekends, a domestic and sexual life in Forster's Brunswick Square flat. But this was a relationship in which there were three people. Buckingham's wife, May, also became Forster's friend and eventually his nursemaid when he was dying. So perhaps this is not so surprising for the writer who valued personal relationships above all else. This was the man, Ian Forster, who the motto only connect applied as much to his private life as to his novels. Who else but Forster could end up becoming firm friends with his lover's wife and godparent to her child? So I think that was interesting. Um, Ian Forster, Edward, Edward Morgan Forster, if you don't know, was an English author best known for his novels, particularly A Room with a View, Howard's Ends, and A Passage to India. He also wrote numerous short story speeches, broadcast limited number of uh, biographies. He authored the opera Billy Budd. He's considered one of the most successful of the Edwardian era English novelists. So there you go. If you didn't know, now you know. The other thing that was interesting is that in the movie, in the book, they mention Anna Karina. And I don't know if you've ever read Anna Karenina, Chris, but it it is a very long book and it centers around an extramarital affair between Anna and the dashing cavalry officer, the Count Alexei. Um, it scandalizes everybody in their social circles and like in St. Petersburg. And they, the lovers have to flee and then they come back and like their whole lives unravel. And it's like this whole thing. It's all about basically the, the, the themes of Anna Karenina is 
hypocrisy and jealousy and faith and fidelity and marriage and family and society, carnal desires and passions. So it is, it's very apropos that Patrick says, oh, yes, I loved that book. <laughs> the, the key message of Anna Karenina is no one should build their happiness on another person's pain. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, exactly. So I love the fact that it was referenced. And uh, if you know, then you know. And now you all know. Is it referenced in the book? Not in the book, in the movie. They referenced it in the movie. And I thought it was was a good addition. So, Yeah. yeah. So, Chris, was this book worth your time? Was this movie worth your time? I say yes to both. I highly recommend the book, but the movie's the movie's okay. If you want to dive deep, get the book. I, I think it was brilliant. I will say what I was left with were like the thoughts of not being able like you should not build your shouldn't build your happiness on other people's misery. I I'm very wondering here if you can actually love somebody who makes you unhappy, if that's actual love or if it's obsession or something else. Uh, maybe it's just the devil you know. I don't know. I I tend to think that the person you fall in love with when you're 15 is probably like you have to put a lot of time and effort and energy and work into maintaining that love and that love should evolve and grow. And if it's a jackass who never treats you well and you're I, then I don't understand how you could still love that person 40 years later. Like I just like it doesn't compute in my head. So I had I had issues with the character of our main character. And it's hard for me to really get behind a book where the main character I can't root for. I like to root for people in, in the books. So that, that you know, I bumped on that. The book, beautifully written. I agree with you. I think it's kind of worth reading just so you can have all these anger feelings <laughs> and so that you can become exposed to these things. The movie, I would say watch Brokeback Mountain instead because it's yes. a better movie. And you don't have to deal with Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah, I think the movies, I mean, to be honest, I think the movie's kind of a throwaway. Yeah. I think it's all right if if you have nothing else to do, watch the movie, but read the book. I mean, um, really watch the movie for the sex scenes because they're good. And yeah, like, that's are. important. And I think that we need to, you know, we vote with our wallets. We can vote with our eyes. So, you know. I don't know. If you, have you seen Bros? No, not yet. Yeah, don't, first of all. But <laughs> talk about some of the worst awful cringing sex scenes and i mean graphic i've ever seen but let me just say this about what you said about this book and movie which was you don't fuck what did you say you don't you don't, you don't root for the bad guy right I, I i prefer to read books where there's somebody i can root for yeah. yes but i will say that and i said it earlier i totally understood every single one of these characters on a mm-hmm. deep deep emotional level the difference is in your 20s in your early 30s maybe you can behave like this you don't behave like this when you mature when you you know i had a my first relationship was when from the age of 20 to 30 um and then i got into much 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 better relationships you know you can do this thing where you go i love this person even though it's a destructive relationship in your 20s but you can't do it in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. It's crazy. If you continue to do that, it's nothing but self-destruction. You need to be able, it's easy, it's easy. What you said was you're obsessed with somebody 
um, even though they're bad for you, was kind of what you were saying. I get that feeling, but you have to leave that feeling behind if you want to mature. Yeah. So again, I mean, if you're if you're a reader and you like to read, then I would I definitely think that you should read this book. But I do, there are things that that are problematic. I hate that the book wants us to sympathize with this woman because she did such an awful thing. And also, she just never got her comeuppance. She didn't really get punished in the way that I think. I mean, she was miserable. She had a miserable life. But also, I just think that she didn't have the wherewithal to realize that she had a miserable life because of her actions. She was still seeing herself as a victim even towards the end. And that bothered me. And we can't really understand in the same way why she loves Tom. And we don't really know what's going on. And it's just it's a very selfish love. I feel really bad for Patrick, even though he's written well. I don't think there's enough Patrick in his story. It's it's just her story, and that's annoying. And I, again, we never get Tom's point of view, which I I I bother it bothered me. And also a cab for sure. The movie I said was very pretty, but I feel like it's all style and no substance. <laughs> Not all Harry Styles, <laughs> but no substance. Uh... Yeah. It, yay props for showing the gay sex props for treating their love as something valid but boo for centering it on this evil woman and having them wait forever to do anything about anything and i really do want to feel for tom like i want to feel sympathetic for this closeted fearful man but i can't because we're not giving anything but his boorish actions his lies and his self-hatred and his gaslighty attitude i can pity him but I don't like him and I don't root for him. So in the end, the only person I liked was Patrick and Patrick deserved so much better than, than what we were given here. You're right. If this was written from Tom's point of view where we could have learned more about that character. We don't get the foundation of that character in the book or the movie. Yeah. The only thing we get in the movie, they added one scene where before he goes to Patrick's the first time to be drawn, he sits at the beach and looks out at the ocean for a little bit by himself. And then he goes. And I think right. we're supposed to be like, oh, he's thinking about it. He knows what might happen. Right. But that's it. That's the only scene that he has where he's by himself. That's right. the only one. And I just, it's just, it's not a complete story. I really right. do feel like the main lesson of the book and the movie is that anti-gay laws suck. And also, um, just a reminder, everybody, ethical non-monogamy is totally a thing. So, okay, please don't hate people. Please don't love people who make you miserable. That's just, you're worth better than that. Patrick exactly. deserved better. We all deserve better. Go watch Brokeback Mountain instead. That's my... I read this book. Yeah, read the book and get mad about it. And then, and then watch the gay sex... <laughs> Watch the gay sex and watch uh, Julia give her little speech. And then and then watch the very, very end where we actually get to see Tom go in and touch Patrick's shoulder and right. touch his neck. That was very sweet. That was great. That was, that great. was good. It was a good throwback. You know, um, I'm it glad. We... You of how much they missed, but it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Hey, thanks for talking about this book and movie with me. All right. Thanks for giving it to me. This was this was cool, and you're gonna come back and talk about something when the, our next one needs to not be sad, okay? <laughs> That's true. We always say that though. <laughs> so many gay things are sad that we talk about, but yeah, I let's. Uh, I let's know, and it. and the next one that okay, so I have like lists of books that are made into movies that I might want to do, and <laughs> literally like next on my my gay list 
because they're all different lists is the uh spoiler is it no spoiler no spoiler yeah that's yeah. A, oh, it's, it's gonna a be cancer movie i know it's gonna be so sad <laughs> watch that one i mean i wanted to watch it when i saw who was in it and then i'm like it's a cancer movie i can't do this it, and it's a, it's based on a real story because I bought the book and it's a memoir. And I was like, I ah. want you to go watch Bros. I want you to watch Bros. I want to yeah. hear what you think. And do not let Ella in the room when you watch it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay. Yay. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Bye.